Vegas Nation is sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up. Sports, entertainment, little to no culture. It's time for Unsportsmanlike Conduct with Ed Graney and Adam Hill. Hey, welcome into Unsportsmanlike Conduct with the Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports and presented by the Las Vegas Review Journal and Blue Wire. We're your hosts, Ed Graney and Adam Hill, and we're here each week to give you our thoughts on the Las Vegas Raiders. Before entering the world of news and topics we find interesting, here we go. Uh, well, buddy, we got to go back to the first game, 24-19 loss. You and I were there in Los Angeles to the Chargers. I want to start off with um, the three interceptions by Derek Carr. Uh, they all seem fixable. Um, I don't think we, uh, you know, there's overreaction to any of them. You can kind of see what happened to each one. Um, but tell me what you thought on these. I mean, these fixable errors or that you didn't kind of think that, oh boy, that, that one looked bad. And, you know, that could lead to other problems. No, I I think there's good in the bad. There's good and bad to them, um, in that they were all different. So I, you know, I think if you, if you saw something that was all the same, if you made the same mistake three times, you would say, well, that's a real problem, but you could also say, well, maybe if you address that, you can fix it. Um, since they're all different, I think you can, you know, diagnose them and say, Hey, there's not like a necessarily an issue. It's just a couple of things that need to be worked out. So, uh, that's what they have to deal with. And I think you go back and look and, uh, off the top of my head, I'm just trying to go back through them. And the first one was, uh, the one to Darren Waller at the end of the second quarter, it was, it's been described as being underthrown. And I know Josh McDaniel said, well, kind of underthrown, but really those other things there really what happened there was. He just didn't see Drew Tranquil, the, the linebacker. It was kind of a disguise covered from um, from the other side of the field. And he saw Waller breaking free. He saw that Waller was going to be open deep down the seam. And he kind of zipped it into him. Uh, if he would have floated it, put some air under it, uh, if he would have seen the, the linebacker there, he would have been able to uh, probably drop that in over the linebacker for a long gain. But he didn't see him. And uh, that's just more of a recognition thing uh, that, you know, that kind of took place there. So. Uh, that was that one. And it was very costly, obviously, because they were going to go down and try to tie it right before halftime. Instead, the Chargers go up 14. So that was tough. Uh, the Devontae Adams one into the corner, that was underthrown and it was thrown a little late. Those are the two kind of things that were working together there. Uh, and, you know, Adams, Adams was free. He was beat. He beat his man deep. Uh, the play was there to be made. It was underthrown, giving Asante Samuel a chance to get back to it. But you also also have to say, there's not a whole lot of guys in the world that could be flat-footed like Asante Samuel was on Hunter Renfro, turn in a dead sprint, get back and get that ball. Like that's just a great play that was made by a defender. Yes, it was made possible by the fact that it was underthrown and thrown a touch late. But I think you also have to nod, you know, tip your cap and say, what an unbelievable play that was uh, by Asante Samuel. And then the the third one was one where he was going left and he was trying to get it uh, to Hunter Renfro who had, who had a step and it, it probably was open and it was thrown way behind him for an interception and watching the game live from the press box in LA. I think we, you know, kind of said to each other, man, that was a, a terrible throw that was behind the receiver. Right. right. Who was open and it was, but uh, when you watch, when you watch back, uh, he was not able to step into the throw he went to step into it and kind of point his toe in the direction of the throw as he's supposed to do. And as he did that, um, his offensive line was pushed back into him. So he had to adjust where his footing was. He had to step to the right instead of stepping out to the left. So kind of throw more across his body. So yeah, the throw looks ugly, but in, in, you know, closer examination, it wasn't, it wasn't that, 
that bad as we thought at the time. It was just more of a protection issue and a, you know, uh, an inability to move around in the pocket. So all of them are different. Um, all of them can be addressed. All of them can be fixed and all of them have their share of blame to go around. Right. Uh, none of them are all just on Derek Carr. Um, well, I guess the, the Devontae Adams one, well, I guess the first two, I guess you could say uh, were mostly on Carr, but uh, also things that are not that far off of being good plays. So I think you'd be encouraged by the good that happened, um, encouraged by the fact that they didn't spread the ball around and they still were able to have some success on offense. Uh, obviously, Devontae Adams is, is has advertised, uh, and now you can start to kind of unlock the rest of that offense. So there's encouraging signs, uh, but I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody in the building is happy with the fact that they're all in one. No, I think that I think that with all the things that went wrong, and we'll get to the offensive line and Devontae Adams and the and the targets and the numbers. I think that with all the things gone wrong, to say that what was it about three minutes and change left, they had the ball with the chance to drive, um, said a lot about that there were good things that they could you know uh, come back on when we watched when they when they watched the film. Um, let me ask you this because you know again. So much was said about the offense line. Obviously, we knew what they would say afterwards. Oh, we thought they played well. We thought they competed. Um, compete and play well are two different things. I'm sure they competed hard and competed well. I don't know, necessarily believe they played well. Um, when McDaniels, when when Josh McDaniels says that all seven who played deserved the right to play, I don't know necessarily if that means all seven were good enough to play. Um, and then they used four different combinations. Of, correct me if I'm wrong. Up front. Um, I just thought they were searching a lot for anything that would work with anybody. And when I hear him say everyone deserved to play, I'm not so sure I, I buy into that. Um, give, give me a grade. Like if, if you're grading this and we do our report card afterwards, if you were grading just the offensive line, what would your grade have been after this game? I think it also depends. Are we grading it just on its own or are you grading on a curve? Because just on I its think, own merit. Yeah. I mean, I think you could probably go C minus. Okay. Um, but I think if you go based on what the expectations were, it's probably like a B plus. I mean, I think they were better than you would have thought they were going to be. I mean, there was a lot of gloom and doom and this is going to be just a horrible, terrible situation up front. And there was definitely plenty of problems. Like I said, C minus, not a great grade. Um, I'm not saying they played well by any stretch, but I think compared to expectations, uh, they were far better than I think a lot of people thought. And I think there was encouraging uh, things to be taken out of the game. I mean, one being the fact that Dylan Parham was great. He played um, very well. First, first NFL game. Yeah. And he only played 60% of the snaps, but he, I thought he was very, very good. And that, as you said, first game, like it probably only gets better from there. So uh, that that's probably something you take a lot out of. Uh, I thought Jermaine Illuminor was fine, especially, you know, in stretches. Um, Colton Miller had a terrible game. One of the worst games we've seen him play, but if you look back the last couple of years, very strangely, he's had one game every year where it just was bad. And I don't understand where that comes from. I don't understand why that is. Um, but for whatever reason, he usually has one pretty bad game or even awful game. And then is all of a sudden good again. So, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be too worried about where that, you know, where that is going to go. And let's also not forget he was going against some very, very, very talented players on the other side. Um, you know, Lester Cotton, I thought was, was fine in stretches as well. So, um, you know, Thera Munford showed some positive things again, too many sacks. Not all of them were on the offensive line. I thought the offensive line actually held up. Okay. Derek Carr had some, uh, some, you know, some things he could have done in the pocket to help him out a little bit better. One of the sacks of course was, uh, on the 
the trick play that went awry uh, to Devontae Adams, and that counts as a sack. So really it was five sacks, not six. And two of them were on like the last two plays of the game where uh, they were kind of in desperation mode. So there was too much pressure, uh, not enough time for Derek Carr to throw. All those things are true, but they run blocked really well uh, in the limited times that they ran the ball. And, and I thought that they, you know, were okay in stretches uh, in terms of, in terms of their pass protection. So again, I, I'd go C minus uh, and then, but, you know, if you're going to grade on a curve and say, where do we think they were going to be? It's probably a B plot. Um, you mentioned the run game, Josh, Josh Jacobs, what 50, 50 plus uh, they really didn't get anything going. And I didn't know, you know, they're chasing a score, but I didn't think it was that big of a margin where they maybe couldn't have gone to the run game more. Um, you know, obviously he was throwing a lot in 17 targets to Devontae Adams, his third most in his career. I know you wrote about that. I, I, I just felt that they could have maybe, I'm not saying forced the run game more, but maybe gone to it a little bit more. Uh, you're not chasing like, you know, 15, 20 points all day. I thought maybe they could have balanced things out. Did you see something there as to why they couldn't? No, I think you're right. I mean, I think the easy answer and what the, you know, what the coaches kind of said, Oh, sorry, before we move on, I want to go back uh, real quick to the offensive line. I want to finish up a thought on that. Uh, the, the, Hey, we're just playing seven guys because they've all earned a right to play is silly. It's, it's, it's coach speak. It's nonsense. Right. Um, right. That's not the case. And by the way, if you want any example of that, or if you want, if you dispute the, the, the fact that it's nonsense. Um, and again, I'm not saying they're not, I'm saying they're protecting some of the guys by saying what they're saying. They're doing what coaches are supposed to do. They are, of course. You know, they're, they're trying to find a combination that works. They're playing different guys together and saying, Hey, let's see if there's a combination that pops out to us that stands out and says, Hey, these five guys work really well together. That's going to be the group we use going forward. That's what they should be doing. That's what they are doing. It's just not what they're saying. They're saying something totally different because they don't want to give that impression, but they are doing it correctly. They're doing what they're supposed to do. And they're trying to find guys that work well together. And I think as they get further into the year, that's what they're going to do. And again, if you, if you question that, watch uh, Mick Lombardi, the offensive coordinator's press conference back again from Tuesday, just watch it. Uh, if they didn't edit it, they might've, but um, he started to say, uh, you know, we're trying to find the five best guys that work together. And in the middle of saying that he stopped and said, oh, we're playing all seven. Like, no, we know what you're doing. Uh, Everybody, anyone who's got a competent line has their five and they play most of the game unless something happens. Sure. And, and, you know, I, I don't think it's a problem. I don't think it's someone to be embarrassed about or ashamed of. I think they're doing what they're supposed to do as coaches and trying to find five guys that work well together. And, um, that's what their, that's what their process is right now, which is a totally fine thing to do. Um, they just don't want to say that out loud and say it publicly, but that's what they're doing. And, and they'll find uh, whatever they want in terms, in terms of the run game though. Um, I would have liked to see them use it a little bit more, even though I'm, I'm never a, Hey, run the ball guy. Uh, I would, if well, I, was I, know. I, know. I just thought, I, I, I thought they went away from it a little too much, or maybe, maybe they should have, I'm not saying forced it more, but I thought there were other opportunities for them to run the ball and, and they didn't. And you're right. And there's, there's a couple of reasons for it. Even though I don't usually advocate for running, they were successful. They they got almost six yards of carry on uh, Josh Jacobs carries. Uh, and, and, you know, the easy thing, and, and I know Lombardi said it and uh, McDaniels kind of said it a little bit too, that it was just a great game script thing. They fell behind and didn't run the ball, but that's not really true. I mean, they were, it was a one score game almost the entire first half until 
the late turnover. So they were in it with a chance to run the ball. And you know, even at halftime, they're only down two scores. They, they, there's plenty of time to run the ball when, when you come out and have the ball first in the second half. So they could have, they just went away from it for, you know, whatever reason, whatever told them not to throw the ball. But I think running it because it was successful and because it seemed like the offensive line was gaining confidence from running the ball. And I think that w- that was part of the reason I would have liked to see them do it more because they they seem to not only do they play well in the run game, uh, but they seem to be getting more confidence from it where they would you know do a little bit better on the next couple pass pass protections because a they're off balance on defense and b they have some confidence in being able to kind of you know maul some guys in the running game a little bit. So um, I would like to see it for that reason. I think we will see it this week against the Cardinals uh, for a couple reasons. One, the Cardinals uh, defensive front is uh, very vulnerable. I think they should be able to run the ball against them. And uh, yeah, I just think you kind of go back and look at the film and, and regroup and see what you could have done differently. And I think running the ball is something that they probably feel they could have and should have done a little bit more. Vegas, get in on the sports betting action and get on the SDN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started, no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there. So sign up today for STN Sports and earn up to $500 on your first deposit. The next time you're in a company meeting and see one of your co-workers cracking open a refreshing can that appears to be a tall boy and it's in your 9 a.m. meeting, you're thinking, is that a beer? It's most likely not. It's a new mountain spring water brand called Liquid Death. Well, not only is it going to quench your thirst, but it's also going to bring a death to plastic bottles. The donations of 10% of the profits from every can sold will help kill plastic pollution. Their aluminum cans are infinitely recyclable and actually profitable for recycling facilities. Go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator. We uh, made reference to the 17 targets to Devontae Adams, and I look if it's going well, don't you know if it's not broken, don't fix it. I mean, it's one of those things where uh, oh, wait, he there's, was there's another one. Yeah, there's another one right there. That's 18. I think I think he just threw to him again. I did. It's, it is now now it's second all time. Um, I, you know, and look, he's terrific. It's the first time, um, first time I've seen him live. I mean, I watched him a ton of times with Greenby on TV, but he's he's absolutely terrific. But I want to ask you this because we talked about this before the season started in terms of. If there was a heavy load and we we brought him up, I think maybe last week of the podcast, if there was a heavy load to Devontae Adams, what would that mean for the other two? Hunter Enfro isn't targeted until the third quarter, although then he gets like four out of five targets down the stretch. Darren Waller, we know, had a few big targets, few big plays. Is this kind of what we can expect if one of these guys, and maybe this week it's Hunter Renfro, maybe it's this week it's Darren Waller, we don't know. Um, Arizona blitzes a lot, so maybe he'll get the ball out quicker and go to different people. But is this, do you think this is what we can expect? We talked about this earlier in terms of if one of these guys are targeted a ton, um, it could really eat into the potential numbers of the other two. Obviously, you want balance and you'd love to target all of them. And that's probably a game where they score 40 points. But I just thought it was interesting on a day where he targeted him that much and not the other two. um, I kept thinking, is this what we're going to see most of the time? I mean, I actually wouldn't have a problem with it. Um, look, Devontae Adams is the best receiver in the league. Well, yeah, he's amazing. Justin Jefferson's making a case too. True. Uh, but let, let's say Devontae Adams is one of the two or three best receivers in the league. And it's not like he was being completely force fed the ball. He was just open. Like he gets open a lot. And if you're not going to double or even triple cover, cover him, then he's going to get open almost every play. And, and there's not that much of a reason to not throw it to him because he's also going to catch the ball. 
but you also have other players on your team, most notably Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, that can also do the same thing. So uh, if I was the Raiders, I wouldn't mind throwing the ball to Devontae Adams 17 times again this week or even 22 times this week if it's not completely taken away. And when teams start to take away, that's you know kind of what Devontae Adams said on Wednesday when he talked to us. He said, hey, look, I'll, I'll take every target I get. I'll, I'll take throw me, the, throw me the ball every single time. And he's like, at some point, they're going to double, triple, um, even roll all, all their guys over toward me. And then we've got all these other guys that, that are going to be able to then have wide open opportunities uh, to get the ball then. So uh, I, don't, I don't necessarily see a problem with that. Uh, you've also got uh, the benefit of having a receiver, one of the very, very few receivers in the league who's an elite receiver who is not going to care because I genuinely don't think Hunter Renfro cares if he gets the ball or not. Uh, his fantasy owners do, but he doesn't. Yes. Uh, so he's not going to complain and cry and whine about it like many players might. He's just going to go out and do his business. And uh, I think that's, that's a nice benefit that the Raiders have that they're not, you know, even though a guy had 100 catches last year, he's not going to, you know, scream about it if he only gets 30 or 40. And by the way, it helps that he got paid. Like if Hunter Renfro yeah. was playing for a contract, he might say, Hey man, look, I'm unselfish, but you got to get me some balls here. I'm trying to right. try to make some money. He's got his contract. So uh, I, I think they're fine with going to a Devontae Adams as many times as the coverage dictates. And if that's 25 times in a game, that's 25. Uh, and then at some point they're going to completely take it away and not let them do it. And then there's plenty of other options out there. So, yeah, they might spread the ball around a little bit more, and I expect them to this week. I uh, definitely expect Waller and Renfro to be far more involved. I don't think Waller, excuse me, Renfro's first target is going to come uh, 355 left in the third quarter like it did last week. But, you know, I, I don't think it's a pressing issue to force balance either. Uh, what did you make? Uh, the Arizona likes to blitz a lot. McDaniels talked about that. Derek Carr, um, career-wise, hasn't been bad against the blitz. He can get the ball out quickly. Do you like this matchup, even if – uh, Arizona blitzed the heck out of Mahomes last week and he killed him. Now I'm not saying, you know, Derek Carr is Mahomes, but you know, we saw last night Mahomes can make mistakes too. Um, do you like this? Do you like this matchup? Uh, if they, if they blitz as usual, I mean, I think they blitzed 52% of the time last week. I mean, what, you know, that's going to, that's going to test the offensive line. We've already talked about them, but uh, you know, defensively what Arizona does, how do you like the matchup? If you just go in and, and say, you know, one against one. Well, I think you don't even have to hear words from me. Um, just go, uh, if you're out there listening, just go look up again. I'm going to go look up presser, but, uh, when Devonte Adams was asked about how much man coverage the Cardinals play, uh, all you had to do is look at the expression in his eyes. Um, he knows how much man coverage they play and he knows there's nobody over there that can cover him. Um, the Cardinals do have some really talented players on defense for sure. Uh, and their safeties are one of the reasons they're allowed to play man coverage so much and blitz so much because they're very, very good. But there's not, a, there's not a guy in the league that I think Devontae Adams believes can cover him. And I, I think he pr he's probably right. So, yeah, I think it's exploitable. Uh, I think that relationship will help. I think Hunter Renfro as an, as an outlet receiver and Darren Waller as an outlet receiver are going to help him that as well. Um, I, I think that they should be good. Then the other reason is, look, I have a lot of respect for Kyler Murray. I think he's a great player. Uh, I just don't think this Cardinals team is any good. Uh, they right. might be later in the year, they might improve, but they collapsed on the stretch last year and they looked horrific in week one. So, you know, we, we can talk about how the teams match up, how the, how the Raiders might attack the blitz, how they might take advantage of some of the things that the Cardinals do defensively. But the bottom line is the Cardinals are not a good team right now. So uh, whatever they do, however they try to play you, you just have to go and beat them. All right. Then let me get to that because uh, Max Crosby and Chandler Jones last week, we saw, I thought Crosby had a heck of a game, didn't get home. Uh, Chandler Jones was, you know, I, you know, I might, you might agree non-existent for the most part. Um, didn't get home. 
and now you get a uh, you get a quarterback that is obviously can do stuff with his feet, can get broken down plays. Um, I thought defensively they made good adjustments against the Chargers, held them to seven points in the second half. None held Herbert to zero points in the fourth quarter. Uh, but totally different animal this week in terms of Kyler Murray and what he can do um, with his feet and broken plays. Um, what's what's your is that your biggest concern? If you're if you're if you're Patrick Graham right now trying to look at the film and break this stuff down defensively, is it just him on broken plays? Is it the stuff you can't prepare for with Kyler Murray that would worry you the most? Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, Max Crosby. I think I've you know I've in the past on this podcast uh, questioned uh, his ability against the run. Uh, no, no more. Uh, no, he last, was good. Last week he was unbelievable against the run. I think it was a point of emphasis for him. Uh, he he improved in that area dramatically last year, but um, this was as good as we've seen him uh, against the run. He was fantastic against the Chargers, uh, and he he still was able to pressure the quarterback uh, at a pretty good rate. Maybe not like last year, and um, certainly didn't get any sacks, but uh, you know he he wasn't exactly lacking in the in the uh, pass rush game either. So uh, he looks phenomenal. He looks on a different level right now. Uh, they might need a little bit more uh, out of Chandler Jones. And I expect Chandler Jones obviously to be very fired up in this game for sure. Uh, but they can't be too, too fired up. You can't be too aggressive in your pass rush. You have to maintain your lanes. You have to somehow keep Kyler Murray in the pocket because when he's outside is when he's really dangerous. Uh, you know, talk to a couple of guys today, Deron Harmon, uh, safety for the Raiders, who obviously has seen a lot of different players, a lot of different quarterbacks in the league. And, and he just said, you know, he's a guy that can escape, you know, dodge one pass rusher and all of a sudden you look up and he's run 67 yards for a touchdown or like what just happened. Uh, but he also can, you know, escape in the pocket, get very creative with uh, some of his escapes and then fire a ball, you know, on the run, you know, his, his baseball background where he was, you know, obviously one of the best baseball players in the country uh, that helps him. And you see some of the angles that he throws at and uh, some of the, uh, some of the strength that he's able to put on a ball from odd angles and from, uh, maybe not having his feet set uh, different platforms. Uh, it's incredible. And, and yeah, he's, he's had some struggles and there's things that you can do against him, but if he's outside the pocket and able to improvise, he is incredibly dangerous. So uh, I think more so than trying to get sacks, it's more maintaining your lanes, not letting you get outside, making himself in the pocket. And if he beats you from there, go ahead. But uh, that's where you want him to be. All right, then I think both of us uh, were right on it last week. I forget the scores, but we both picked the chargers to win. So uh, we might as well make this a weekly habit. Um, before I ask you about your uh, one of your favorite Netflix show that I know you stayed up all night the other night watching and why you're going to tell me it's imperative that I start to watch this thing. Um, I'm going to go Raiders 23-17 over the Chargers, having them just, just, excuse me, over the over Arizona, just, just cover. What do you got? Uh, I'm going to go 30-14 Raiders. Ooh, they don't blow a lot of people out, so you're going with the blowout. Cardinal stink, man. I, look, it, you never know. It's it's the NFL. Uh, anything could happen on any Sunday. I, I think the Cardinals. Uh, I thought they could be okay coming into the year, but that was that was bad. There were some troubling things in the preseason, and last week was just awful. So uh, I just don't think this is a good team. I think it's an opportunity for the Raiders to get right and to uh, build some confidence going into the rest of the schedule. All right. So your one of your favorite shows is this Cobra Kai. Oh yeah. How many seasons are we into? Uh, this was five. Season five came out last Friday. I finished it uh, Tuesday morning. Stayed up uh, all night Monday, watched 10 straight episodes, and uh, knocked it out. So do your greatest pitch to me is why I should watch this show. Uh, I mean, look, you're helpless at this point. If you haven't gotten on board, you're not going to. 
Um, you are, I, can't, I can't get on board if I start to watch it tonight. I can't watch a series like I did yeah. others and just go well, through. First of, all, first of all, I mean, you as a child of the 60s or whatever. Uh, uh, okay. Were, I mean, you're, no, you, you're no spring chicken, as I've, I've often reminded you. Did you ever watch Karate Kid? Sure, I watched the movie. It was fantastic. Yeah, it was a great movie. Uh, Pat Marina, sure. And they somehow were able to make a TV show of the characters from that uh, from that movie. I just I love that Pat Marina is the guy that you <laughs> cite. First of all, it's Mr. Miyagi. We don't use his real name. Uh, <laughs> I, I, if you were into that at all, they somehow, and as dumb as the concept sounds of making a show about the characters 30 years later, um, still obsessed with this karate rivalry. It's so preposterous and ridiculous, but they were able to somehow give enough winks and nods to the fact that this is so dumb that it makes it okay. Like it's obviously are any of the original cast in this? All of them. They're they're in this TV show. Yeah, it's well, it's, Mr. It's, Mr. Miyagi's not. I mean, you know, well, he's on. referenced a lot okay. in the show. But Daniel San and Johnny Lawrence, his main rival from Cobra Kai, are the main stars of this show. <laughs> no, this is what this is what these two ended up with in the careers. Oh yeah. Oh man, it's tremendous. But like I said, the concept is insane. But I think they they make fun of themselves enough in the show that it makes it okay. Like ordinarily, I would think this is so ridiculous. But they, how they, have they gotten through five seasons of this? It's great. And they keep introducing new people because obviously there was three Karate Kid movies and they keep introducing new people from the Karate Kid franchise. So you're seeing people like make appearances like, oh yeah, that was this character. And um, it, it's it's every year they they find a new person to bring back. Uh, it's it's just so good. I mean, it's it's insane that this in, there's an entire like city at war over karate, which is so dumb. But again, they make they make light of it enough to say, okay, we know this is dumb. Just go here with us. Did so you, it's, it's did good. you see all three movies? Of course I did. What was that? Wash on, wash off. What was that? What was that? What was that? Wax on. Wax on, wax off. off. (laughs) I saw that one with the uh, with the uh, the kick on the beach. Yes. Yes. Referenced as well. The the kick is. Yes. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm looking for a new series. Five, five, five seasons is long. I'll start it. I'm looking. We've been we've been looking for a new series and. I did enjoy that one movie. I didn't know they made three of them, though. Well, we don't acknowledge the fact that they actually made like six. There's only three that that are that we care about. Was this like the Rocky franchise where it just got progressively worse? Yeah, but then they like so. Karate Kid One, classic, amazing. Karate Kid Two, very good. Karate Kid Three, uh, okay, it's fine, it's good, we enjoy it. Uh, But then they made like the next Karate Kid where it was Hillary Swank as like a female Daniel son. Oh, geez. And then okay. we, then we just started spiraling. I think Will Smith's kid was then karate kid at some point. There was like a lot of weird ones, but one, two, if and three. I turn on, if I turn on this series and I start this series, I'm going to see the original, the one and only Ralph Macchio. A hundred percent. Yes. Oh man. I got to watch this. I got to see where he yeah. is in his career in his life. Oh, it's great. It's, it's, it's so good. I, I mean, honestly, what I would do is watch Karate Kid again. Right. Um, just and then the first, just the first one. I mean, I would suggest all three, but yeah, you can just watch the first one and then watch the movie and then start the series. 
right. I'm looking for a series. I'm going to do that. I, I've got to get the, the, uh, the son has, uh, he suggested a few. He did not suggest this one. We'll have uh, him watch Karate Kid. <laughs> hold on a second. Um, Into the Night. I don't know it. Okay. He said he just finished season two and it's terrific. So that and that and Cobra Kai will be on the list. There you go. Cobra Kai. Definitely good. Uh, all right. Uh, that's going to do it for our latest edition of Unsportsmanlike Conduct of the Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casinos, STN Sports, and presented by the Las Vegas Review Journal and Blue Wire. Remember now, there are new episodes of Vegas Nation every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Subscribe to Vegas Nation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any podcasting app. Find all that coverage and more at VegasNation.com. For our producer, Larry Meir, and my co-host, Adam Hill, I'm Ed Graney. We'll talk to you next week as the Raiders try to go one and one You got something? Yeah, also, I just looked up into the night. It's sci-fi, so you know I will never be watching that. Oh, it's sci-fi? Yeah. Ooh, I told him we'd try it, too. I'm out. Mic drop on that. Thanks. We'll talk to you next week. Vegas. Get in on the sports betting action and get on the SDN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started, no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there. So sign up today for STN Sports and earn up to $500 on your first deposit.